Hello, everyone. My name is Cecilia Mintz, and I am an early childhood resource specialist with StarNet Regions 1 and 3. Bridget Meese, who is also an early childhood resource specialist, is joining me as well. We are here with Mo Kaiser, who is going to tell us about her science center in her classroom. Mo, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about yourself professionally? Okay, um, I started teaching late. Uh, this is my second career, and I've been teaching for about 10 years. Um, I, this Currently, I have a blended class in the morning of about 17, and I have a self-contained um, severe and profound special ed class in the afternoon with about 10 students. Um, right now, all my blended kids are remote, so that's been a little bit of a challenge, but um, we're making it work. So can you tell us a little bit about what you do with the children in science in a pre-K classroom? How do you get them engaged? And are there any stories that you have that you'd like to share with us about either the children in your classroom or the families that you work with? Sure. Um, this really, to me, you know, at first it was hard to have science materials, first of all, that are safe and that are engaging in the science area that the kids can go to themselves. Uh, it's hard to know, you know, you see when you Google things, you see cool experiments, but they all have to be teacher directed. And um, those are always fun to do, but they're very limited in time and, you know, you do it and it's over. So it's hard to um, sometimes navigate what can be in the science area that's really engaging for the kids and can be ongoing and ongoing exploration. So just finding those materials that, that do that. Um, I know my kids love magnets. We have an entire bucket of magnets and I put them in a metal bucket just because that kind of adds to the interest of, oh, look, this is sticking to the bucket and this won't come out and things like that. And they love that. Um, I, we, we go over and show them how if you use the magnet rod and you put a ball on top of the table, it'll jiggle it around. And then they are fascinated by that. <clears throat> and it really, with my self-contained kids even, um, I'm fascinated with, we have a train that's magnetic on the either end. And it, it amazes me that very quickly they can figure out the polarity of the train cars. If they don't go together, they figured out, I have to turn it around to make it work. And they don't understand why that is, but they know that it has to happen. And that just, that fascinates me that how quickly they can pick that up. Um, and then I've just kind of, you know, I, when I first started teaching, I was very much a primary color and this is what I love, but I visited a Reggio center and became very interested in the natural um, materials. And so shifted my whole line of thinking to that and then just started seeing things through those eyes. So, you know, just walking through my backyard and seeing pine cones and being like, oh, let's pick up some of them and throw them in. And then I've even had teachers that had different kinds of pine trees in their yard. Uh, one day I would go to my mailbox and there's an envelope full of little bitty pine cones that some other teacher had ponied me saying, oh, I thought your kids would like this in the center just to compare them. So you can do like sequencing with big pine cone, little pine cone, things like that. And just talk about, they're all pine cones, which the kids forever call acorns, I guess. <laughs> I don't know what that is, but they're always calling pine cones acorns. But, um, you know, patterning with them, talk about the similarities and differences, go out and look at the trees where they came from and things like that. So um, those kind of things are fascinating. And then having a kid bring it in from home, you know, like, look, I found one in my yard. So just realizing that, yeah, you know, that is something that's at your house and you didn't even know it. Um, 
And then I do like, there's prisms that I have and they're fascinated by the whole color thing, which that's one of those experiments you can do. Um, you know, one of the first days of school, I always do a color experiment with test tubes and mixing colors and things like that, but that's very short duration. But if you put prisms in the science area, then the kids can experiment with color on their own. And um, those there's paddles, you know, the different paddles with colors or they can put up, you know, two colors at the same time and say, look, it turned into orange, you know, so they, they're bringing what I demonstrated in a large group to the smaller group. So that's neat. Um, I've had parents send in materials from home that I thought you might be able to use this. And it's just fun because that's a good way to bring families in that, you know, the kids went home and said, you know, we talked about rocks today. And the kid comes in with a book bag full of rocks. <laughs> cool. <laughs> I've had parents when they go on vacation, they're like, is there anything I can bring you? Especially if they go to Florida, I'm like, bring me some seashells, please. And the kids just love being able to contribute to the science area. And I don't know if it's their shell, but they'll come periodically and go, this is my shell. Okay. I'm glad you remember that. But it's cool. We've got starfish. We've got Kong shells from families that have gone on vacation and just want to contribute to the area. So that's been cool. That's wonderful. Um, especially a way to get families engaged with the process. I know that for a lot of teachers, the science area is a struggle for them, whether it's setting up the science center or setting up um, different science activities, because we know that in early childhood, science looks different than it does in the elementary or upper grades. What would you say to a new teacher or someone who's struggling to set up that area to help them kind of refocus the science area to make it more engaging? Um, I think just kind of watch what the kids are interested in. We had um, some of the kids one day were playing with a Hot Wheels set and just, you know, we have the ramps, but they hadn't made the connection that the ramps, the wooden ramps are very similar to the Hot Wheel track. <clears throat> Excuse me. So um, I went over and just demonstrated for them, hey, this is the same concept, but now you can do it with a ramp and a ball and let's move it up and down. So being a part of their learning and seeing what they're interested in that isn't really science, but that you could transfer to science um, is a good, you know, is a good way to introduce them to it. And just kind of, that's one of my smaller areas. Um, it's a limited space area. So um, usually two kids um, can visit there. And so if, if a kid is looking for something to do, that's a, you know, and, and, not wanting to be in a good group, that's a good place to steer them to. And they have the freedom to explore the materials. It's a little less stimulating um, for some of those kids that, and then other kids will see what they're doing and think that's cool and join in. So letting them kind of direct the play and putting those things when, when there's a personal item, like we talked about, it makes it them drawn to it. That That's my seashell. And I want to see what other seashells there are. That's the pine cone I brought from home. So just having that ownership, I think, makes it more engaging for them. It sounds like bringing that personal connection really helps too. Yeah. Um, that like, oh, that's my seashell. So then they can kind of have that personal investment in it because they feel like they've contributed. Mm -hmm. It also sounds like you're showing them that science is everywhere. It's not just in our science center. So that's, that's awesome to hear. Yes. What and do I do give them the freedom to, to take those materials to other places. So if they have, you know, like we have a basket full of pine cones or nuts or something, if they want to take them to the to the dramatic play area and make nut soup, 
I don't have a heart attack. You know, it's like, I don't care. Take it over there. Stir it up. It sounds really cool in a pot and pan. I agree. Stir it up. You know, so not being so anal about, no, 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 that's a science material. Get it back in the science area. Yeah. You know, you've got to let them explore and have that freedom to, to move items to other areas. Mm-hmm. But you said that you started out, you were, you know, kind of the more traditionalist, and then you saw some Reggio that kind of um, inspired <laughs> you. What do you wish you had known when you first started out teaching about science? What did, what do you wish somebody had told you and said? I think just that it, that it really could be a center that can be interactive instead of just those short, you know, it's really cool to Google the science man and all his neato put a mento and a Pepsi and that's really cool, but it's over in a flash. And, you know, I'm not smart enough to be able to explain why did it happen? And I don't think the kids a lot of times get it. Yeah, it was cool. It's razzle dazzle magic, but the concept behind it, it's hard to explain. So just giving them the opportunity to have hands-on, like you said, science is everywhere and let them get into it themselves is much more meaningful than me doing a magic show in front of them. Um, so, and, and like I said, it's just a flash in the pan. They might go home and say, Oh, you know, let's do, you know, we, we saw pop Pepsi blow up today, but it's not, it's not hands-on and it's not what, what they were going to take with them long haul. <clears throat> I know that Cecilia and I have been fortunate enough to be in your classroom and see the Science Center in action. One of the things that we noticed was how easily you incorporate living things into your Science Center. Can you talk to us a little bit about how you decided what living things to bring in? Well, um, I I love plants. I had a lot of plants. And so it was just natural to have them in the room and have them, you know, accessible to the science area, have the kids take care of them. We had spray bottles they could spray them and watering cans and I didn't really have a person of the day that was in charge of that it's whoever felt a connection with them you know um so letting you know not everybody's into plants and if it's your day to be the waterer go water you know just let whoever has that connection with the plants do that and then um I've had fish which um you know you have the kids that want to pet the fish and that's always a challenge but it's accessible to them. They can see it. And, you know, and the other kids know, like, they'll be like, so-and-so is getting the fish and they'll protect the fish, you know, and, and I always let the kids pick the names. Um, you know, we've had cubby and things like that. So we, we let the kids name the pets, of course. And, um, then we've had crabs, lots of hermit crabs. The kids love to get the hermit crabs out and give them a bath. And then after we soak them in the tub for a while, everybody's gathered around. We'll build like a cage out of blocks for the crabs to crawl around on. And some of the kids are screaming in terror and some of them are laughing and picking them up and they think it's hysterical. And so it's just fun watching the different um, comfort levels with the crabs. You know, Um, I've always had a pet rabbit. Um, one, One of the rabbits died last year and we had a memorial service. The kids all made a picture of him and things. And then just shortly after that, somebody contacted me and said they had to get rid of their rabbit. So I said, well, I'll take it. So we had a new one very shortly. um, And the kids all voted on that name. And it was funny, funny story, but they, they voted one, they, the two top names were Jack and Danny. And I'm like, we're not naming the rabbit Jack Daniels. That's not appropriate. (laughs) So I said, here's your choices. We're going to call it Rizzo or Wrigley. Those are your choices. (laughs) So Rizzo won. So we now have Rizzo the rabbit. 
Um, right now, because of COVID, he has to live in my basement because they spray for sanitation, but the kids will talk about him. And the, one of the favorite things to do was to feed the rabbit carrots every day. They would go to the fridge independently, get a carrot, you know, and, and the kids, they were limited to two carrots a day because the rabbit got sick if he had too many carrots. So the kids would keep track, you know, no, he's already had two. You can't get one for him. So they had that ownership. They would feed him and take care of them. So just they, they take a lot of ownership and caring for the pets and and being very aware of them. One of, we had a little boy that just started and he was kind of aggressive and was pushing on the cage and the other kids were all like, no, no, we don't do that. So they, it teaches them a lot of maturity and, and um, just caring for wildlife. So is there anything else you would like to share um, that we haven't asked you about or talked about yet? Um, I think just having the the freedom to explore, I, you know, once people kind of see that you do it, you get all kinds of donations and take them. You don't have to lay them all out at once, but it, it's amazing what has been given to me since people kind of know that I'm the science person. I've had people visit a farm and they come back with a handful of peacock feathers and I'm like, cool. I had one teacher, um, she had a rattle from a rattlesnake that she's given me. She's had jaws of sharks. And so the kids can like see how sharp shark teeth are. Not the, not the little one in the jar that you get when you go to Florida, but this is a real mouth. Um, I've had teachers give me like antlers that they found in their yard, um, skulls of different, you know, skeletons and skulls and things. So just my room is now just, you know, if people want science, they come here because they know I have it all. It's just a collection. I've had pelts donated. I went into a um, craft show once and the guy was making things. And I just said, hey, I'm a pre-K teacher. Would Can I have a little piece of fur? And he goes, oh, you can have this if you're a teacher. And he just starts laying all these pelts on me. I'm like, cool. You know, just to let the kids feel what that's like. Um, we do have, we have a very strong park district in our community and the lady comes and brings different um, animals and things. They're stuffed, of course, and the kids always call her the dead animal lady because she'll, she'll bring the, the animals with her for them to see close up and everything. So that's that's always an adventure. But but letting you know, and she doesn't let them touch. But the kids being able to pet, look, this is you know a mink versus a fox, and they can see what, what that is, you know, and, and be able to touch that. So I think once the word gets out that you are interested in science, people just start bringing stuff to you, you know, Hey, I found a pheasant feather. You want it for your room? Sure. I'll take it. So we have, you know, all kinds of stuff. Like I said, I get pine cones in the mail, so <laughs> that's pretty unusual. <laughs> well, thank you so much for taking the time to share your experience with us today and hopefully some new ideas for people who aren't quite as strong as, as uh, you are with the science area. So thank you so much. Well, thanks for the opportunity.